If you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn with me to the tiny book of Titus, looking at uh, Titus chapter 3. We'll read that for you in just a moment. Titus chapter 3. I'll give you, um, give you just a moment to get there. Uh, Titus chapter 3, we'll read that together in a moment. Isn't it great to, um, a great song, Blessed Be Your Name. Blessed are you, Lord. Not just when everything's going smooth and everything's going great and everything's going well, but Lord, you are blessed and so worthy of our praise in times of struggle and in times of suffering. And when the darkness starts closing in, Lord, I will say, blessed be your name. He's holy and he's righteous. He's so worthy of all our praise. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We have to keep our eyes on him. Let me read for you in uh, Titus chapter 3, beginning verse 1. It says this, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time you too were foolish, disobedient and deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating, uh, hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His great mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress it. Sorry, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn the divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. As soon as I send uh, Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything that they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. Lead us through it now. Teach us your ways. Lord, be honored and glorified in how we seek to serve you together as this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life is great, isn't it, when it's always going your way? Or at least, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be great if, if every day you woke up and everything worked out how you wanted it to work out. Just imagine you, you woke up this morning feeling fully rested. Like you've never rested so much before. You felt energetic and revived because of the sleep you got last night. 
When you woke up, you went downstairs and breakfast had already cooked itself and it was waiting on the table for you. And after you finished this delicious meal and you'd had as much of this completely calorie-free and fat-free delicious meal with all the taste of the bacon and the grease and all that stuff with none of the fat or none of the grease. It was all healthy and it was all wonderful. Once you finished all this, you got up from the table, the dishes in a snap were cleaned and dried and back in the cupboards. And as you went around the house whistling your way and singing through the day, you said goodbye to your, uh, your, your spouse and your kids and they all wish you a, a, a good hearty farewell and a, a cheerful, uh, just loving, hoping you have a great day. And you start out on your destination to church and on your way to church, it's all clear traffic and green lights all the way for you. Everything is just going in your favor. Now, that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? But a reality is, that's not our every day, is it? In fact, I dare to say that's probably not our any day. Life has a way of throwing challenges at us, doesn't it? Life has a way of throwing those days at us where you just go, oh, not another thing. And then you go, oh, there's another wall, or there's something else. This morning when I... um. Uh, when I woke up, I was having one of those, not one of those first days I described, but one of the second. Well, you just, you know those days you just go, I'm just getting back in bed because this is just not going to work out for me today. Well, that was one of those days. I um, I'd planned to come in the office. I had some work to do this morning and uh, some, some meeting stuff to prepare for. And I thought, I'll, I'll do some of this work and that'll be great. I, I prefer to work early in the morning. So I'll get up nice and early and I'll go in the morning and I'll do that work. So I planned to get up nice and early, but I slept in. And somehow I t- turned off one alarm, and I, um, anyway, challenges of uh, uh, technology, I guess I slept through, and so I'm already running late. And then I, I laid everything out not before. I'd ironed my shirt, and I prepared all my stuff and laid it there. And I come down, and I start grabbing my stuff, and I look, and I thought, I don't have my church keys. In fact, I can't find my church keys anywhere in the house. I know they're there somewhere, but where are they? So I went and asked Lindy, she, I don't know what you've done with them. So, um, and so I thought, okay, well, okay, I can't get in the church. Well, Lindy has a key uh, into the office building. So I thought, fine, that's, that's great. I'll just use her key, grab my stuff, and I go. And I, I get to the church, and I realize that I left my laptop at home. And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And I thought, no, no, that's fine. I'll use the church computer. So I'll get in. I get in the office building. I walk up. And I realize now, see, my keys, I, I've got a different set of keys. Any of my keys get me in kind of any, any door anywhere in the church, which is fine. Lindy has a key to the office building, and that's it. So I get in there, and I think, this is great, I'll use the church computer, except for the church computer is locked in Narelle's office, the printer is locked in the Seven office, and all those keys are at my house somewhere. So I'm like, okay. So now I have no computer, uh, no keys, and... Um, and then I, I was looking around, and I twisted around when I realized in my keys. And I thought, what am I going to do now? Stubbed my toe on the, the, the foot of the, the lounge there, and I thought, oh, this is going to be uh, a fun day. And I thought I'd left the house uh, pretty well. Now I thought I'd just kind of said, you know, see, you, see you, Lindy, whatever, went on my way, because I thought oh, everything's sorted. When I got here, I realized everything wasn't sorted. And um, I was right in the middle of stuff this morning, sorting out some stuff in my notes, and, um, you know, I got a note from, uh, from Lindy saying, are you upset with me or something? 
And I'm like, what? I thought everything's fine. So we sorted all that, you know, and, and worked all that out. Everything's fine. We're not, you know, we're all still together and everything. Um, so, but I think, God, I, it's going to be one of those days. And, and you know what I, what I tend to do in those days, I used to just get frustrated and think, oh, I'm just going to climb back in bed. Uh, Lindy said I couldn't do that today because I'm the pastor. I need to be here. But I tend to say at, at my office this morning, I just like, God, I've got to spend some time in prayer. Because what happens is we get focused on the distractions, which are often silly things. Or we get focused on the people that have upset us or whatever. And that, that could be, it could be trivial things, but we lose focus on what God wants us to be focused on, which is on Him. We have to recognize, I think, three main things when we're having those sort of days, which all too often is the days we have. We have to recognize that God is always meant to be our focus. Because we can often get distracted from, from Him and lose sight of God in the midst of our chaos. We have to recognize God is meant to be our focus and we have to recognize that we have an enemy and an adversary which so often works against us and tries to distract us. God is meant to be our focus and Satan is our enemy. We recognize not only is God real, but Satan is real and his demons and they are constantly trying to move us away from God, distract us from the things which are honoring to God. Try to say to us what the world says to us, that there is no God. It's myths and fairy tales. Reality is hardship and difficulty and stumping your toe and losing your keys. It's hurt and brokenness. Church, the reality is God is real. And God is strong. And God is faithful. Satan is our enemy, not one another. And people are to be our mission field, not our battlefield. Sometimes we get so caught up in things not going our way, or people rubbing us the wrong way, or whatever that is, that we lose sight of the fact that God is to be our focus. We are to be working on our relationship with Him, seeking to honor Him. Satan is the enemy that tries to lead us away from that. And people are meant to be our mission field. We are called and we are saved for a purpose of sharing the hope that we have in Christ with those who don't know Him. We sometimes get so upset by how people act around us that we let it distract us from who we really are meant to be as a church, a people of love and a people who do good deeds. Good things. Focus on that good work. Now, a reality is that we find in Titus chapter 3 is that not only from time to time are you going to have a bad day as far as just it seems like things aren't going away, but sometimes there can be people who rub you the wrong way, so to speak, or upset you and disappoint you. Or sometimes just outright annoy you. Sometimes there could be people. Someone actually asked me last week. Lindy came up to me and she said, what's the most difficult thing about being a pastor? Now she was, she was saying there's good things and there's bad things in any sort of occupation, any sort of role. What's a, a challenge about being a pastor? And I said, you know what? I said, if everybody in every church was just like Jesus, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? 
It'd be so easy being a pastor. It'd be so easy coming to worship. It'd be so easy doing all the sort of ministries and different things that we do during the week. But probably the biggest challenge of being a pastor is that we're so far from being like Jesus. We stumble and we fall, don't we? As, as Julie pointed out, we so often, we don't do what we we're meant to be doing. We do what we weren't meant to be doing. We stumble and we fall. We're sinful people, we're broken people, and we sometimes hurt each other. And it says here in verses 1 and 2 uh, of the passage read for you this morning, I mean, it, it saddens me to say that we're not a perfect people, but a reality is we're not. And in those situations, when we have someone that, that upsets us or distracts us or, uh, or uh, hurts us in some way, it says, be ready in every sort of situation, in every one of these situations, be ready to do what is good. Now, doing what is good is not usually the first thing that comes to your mind when someone's upsetting you or when you don't like what's happening, when you don't like the situation you're in, you go, well, how can I do good in this? It says we are to be challenged here to do what is good in every situation, to not slander anyone, to be peaceable, to be considerate, to show humility. And not only are we to be good, but try to do what is good in every situation. There's a challenge, isn't it? It says watch what you say about others. Sometimes, even in the church, we can cause more harm by what we say than good. We are meant to be building one another up and making sure as a church that we're trying to say things about people that build them up and support them and encourage them, that show forgiveness and grace and mercy. And so often, so often in the church, people say things which are are negative and and hurtful and harmful. We have to make sure as a church we're trying to do what is good. We're trying to not slander anyone. And to not say anything that would be hurtful, but to be peaceable, which actually means to be peacemakers. Not to just be peaceful. That, that to me, was the idea of you sitting on a sailboat somewhere, just kind of relaxing, being peaceful. Being peaceable is not just being at peace with who you are and how things are going but being an agent of peace, being a peacemaker in each situation, that's a challenge. Be considerate. Think of others in every situation and show humility. Now, I think these challenges just keep getting more and more. And unfortunately, one of the things you do when you unpack the Scripture, is sometimes you un- unpack another challenge, another challenge. And when you look at a passage like, like Titus uh, chapter 3, you look at it and you go, okay, do what is good in every situation. You think, okay, well, that's, that's hard enough. And then it goes, well, don't slander anyone. Watch what you say. And then be peaceable. And then be considerate. And then be humble in every situation. You think, oh, God, come on, back off. Like, I get it. I get challenges. But don't worry, it gets worse. Because not only does God challenge us in this passage and say, you know what? There are sinful people in the world. And we have to work hard at doing what is right. But then he goes a step further and reminds us that at one stage you, you were that sinful person. At one stage, you too were lost in the darkness. 
It says in verses 3 to 7 that we were once foolish, disobedient. We were deceived. We were once enslaved by sins that pleased us. We wanted things our way. We wanted things to work out the way we wanted them to. And we worked every effort to, to make that happen on our own strength and our own ways. We were once enslaved by those sins, held captive. We were once malicious people, vicious people. We were once envious of others. We were once hated by others, and we hated others. We were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, malicious, envious, and hated and hating. We weren't pleasant people. But, and it says, Christ Jesus came and saved you. You were once in that darkness. You were a rat bag. Nobody wanted anything to do with you. You were the troublemaker. You were the stirrer. You were always causing a scene, or always causing drama, and always trying to get things your way. You weren't a lovely person. But Christ saved you from all of that. Remember who you were before you met Christ Jesus. Remember who you were when you were enslaved by that sin and recognize how great a salvation was when Jesus steps in and He saved you not because of you were a good person, not because of all that you had done, which is so great and wonderful, but because God is full of mercy. He saved you. He not only saved you by His mercy, He justified you by His grace. So He treated you as a clean slate, just as if you'd never sinned. Christ paid the price for all of that sin and all of that wrong and all of that darkness and brought you into the light as you surrendered your life to Him. So much that says now we are heirs of God, children of God, heirs with a hope of eternal life. And that word hope actually means a secure foundation of eternal life. We have the assurance of eternal life. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. He is mine. Not because I deserve it. Because He knows that sin. He knows that wrong. He knows that darkness. He knows the foolishness and the disobedience and the deception that we were enslaved in. And yet... By His mercy and grace, He showed us the light. He showed us the truth. He offered to us salvation and eternal life. So that our lives would show that change and and show the hope that we have in Him. That it wouldn't be based on what we've done or any good that we can muster up. But that the world can see Jesus in us. I was praying this morning and one of the things that came out of my prayer that I don't know, have you ever been praying and you didn't even realize what, kind of what you were saying or you go, whoa, where'd that come from? I didn't know I was didn't know I was feeling that. One of the things I prayed this morning, I said, just kinda of in the middle of prayer and you just get a rhythm and you're just you know, you're going and talking to God. And I said, God my fear is that when people look at our church, no, I'm not just talking about lakes, when people look at the church, 
I see us instead of you. When people look at your church, they see our brokenness and, and, and our, that we're still enslaved when you have set us free. And I said, God, heal us. God, restore us. God, send a revival in our church. And there was an old hymn years ago that used to say, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. And that was my prayer this morning. God, show us who you want us to be. Remind us of who we used to be before we were held captive by our sins. Remind us of the salvation you have given us, the freedom we have in you, the life we have in you. And challenge us, Lord, to go out and to live lives that show that change. Let us not forget whose we are. Let us not forget who the real enemy is. And let us not forget our mission. Verse 8 to 11 challenges us as a church, as the believers in Jesus, to try to avoid the distractions that are all around. It lists a few there. I'll go through this quickly. It says we should avoid controversies. Now, good luck with that. Not just in church, in life. Avoid any controversy. Now, it's not saying you don't get yourself in discussions or you don't, um, you're not willing to, uh, to hear people's voice. But in these controversies, and they will be around in your families, they'll be around in the church, they'll be around in your workplace, they'll be around at the shops. When the controversy happens, our focus should be on Christ. Not necessarily on picking any certain signs or whatever, but on Christ and on seeking to live like Christ in those situations. We should not only avoid those controversies, but genealogies. Now, uh, one of the focuses, especially in some of the time of uh, the early church, was on where you came from and, and who, whose line you were from, I guess. Now, some of you watched uh, another royal wedding last night, and... Um, You'd have to say that Harry comes from a pretty good line. He's from pretty good stock, I guess. And uh, at one stage, they're talking about, you know, what is there, 10, 10 or 12, I think 10 monarchs are, are buried there at the church uh, where they had the wedding, at the, the chapel. And all these, these kings and uh, legends, I guess, uh, through history have been part of that, uh, that, that bloodline and, and passed down then through the generations. But you know what? Following Jesus isn't about if you can trace your lineage to, to kings or queens or whatever that is. Or if you look through your family line and you find a few rat bags and a few criminals. And I mean, we're in Australia. You know, there's a lot of people who go, I, I always love the people who go, yeah, my, uh, my, my grandfather or great-grandfather or whatever, uh, you know, a few generations back was on the first fleet of meaning they were criminals coming over. You know, they're on the first fleet. And many would say, oh, no, but all they did was steal a loaf of bread or all they did was this, that they weren't the real criminals. And I'm like, well, they were still in prison and they came here as prisoners. We, we tend to kind of sugarcoat our, our history a little bit, even if we don't know the full history. But what we, a promise in the Bible is whether we're from kings or we're from criminals or you're from a king who's a criminal, whatever it is, whatever's in our past, it says we are one in Christ Jesus. We have one God and Savior of all. One Christ. One Savior we're to follow. Our focus isn't to be the controversies or the genealogies. Our focus isn't to be 
on arguments. Because arguments typically are about us getting our own way. But we are to be about a people, be a people of grace, to be a people of peace. St. Thomas Kempis put it this way. I love this little quote. He said, it, it, it never does any harm to consider others above yourself, but it does great harm when we consider ourselves before others. Isn't that great? Simple, isn't it? It never does any harm to consider others before yourself, but it does great harm when we consider ourselves before others. We shouldn't get caught up in arguments or controversies or genealogies. We shouldn't even get caught up in quarrels over the law, which is actually talking about quarrels over doctrine. Believe it or not, Christians, we're not just followers of the Scripture. We like to battle about the Scriptures. We like to argue about the Scriptures. And there are whole churches who don't do anything with other churches because we differ on how we interpret certain Scriptures. Now, one of the the focuses in, in, in Titus chapter 3 is saying that is ridiculous. We're not to focus on uh, the, the, the differences in that way. We're not to argue over what does the Scripture say about this. So many people will go, oh no, it couldn't possibly mean this, or it couldn't have possibly happened that way. I don't think so. And we, build, we allow it to build walls between us, even as a church, even in our own church. We have different people here who believe different things about the Scriptures, interpret some things differently, and says, don't let these quarrels divide you. Focus on who Jesus is. Focus on who we are before Christ and how He saved us. And you may say, you know what? I don't know about how the end of the world is going to happen or how, how Scripture says about this. I don't know about how this works out in Scripture, but I know, I know that I was once lost and now I'm found. I know I was once in darkness and now I have the light of salvation in Jesus. I know that I was once destined to die and now I have eternal life because of Jesus. And we can offer the hope that we have in Jesus. We have to make sure as a church that we don't let our, our distractions over differences become divisions. We don't want these things to divide us as His people. We don't want it to divide us from other churches around. We don't want it to divide us from one another for the mission of caring for our community. If someone is causing us to stumble, verses 10 and 11 focus on this. If someone is causing us to stumble, says talk to them in grace and humility and peace. Talk to them. Hopefully they will, they will see your heart or maybe they'll let it lead to change. Maybe it'll just lead to understanding. Talk to them. Try to work things out. Even do that again. Verse 10 and 11 says, After that, have nothing to do with them. Now, that's an interesting passage, isn't it? Because you go, Ooh, that doesn't sound like it should be in Scripture, does it? And you, some of us want to do that, don't we? We want to go, No, told you once, told you twice. That's it. You're out. I'm not sitting on the same side of the church as you anymore. I'm not uh, going to that ministry anymore. Whatever. You're, you're off the list because I've warned you once, I've warned you twice. You haven't listened. You're out. And the world does that, doesn't it? The world loves when you're feeling loved. And they say, just get rid of any people who are not positive in your life. Get rid of anyone who doesn't support everything you want. But the, the, the challenging is, sometimes we don't want the right things. 
Sometimes we're not wanting things that are pleasing to God. And the things we need to be challenged on, we're not challenged on because we only surround ourselves with people who are wanting what we want or they want us to be happy. God is the one we are to follow. God is the one we are to focus on and seek to please Him in every situation. The enemy even uses our own relationships in the church to bring division and distraction. We have to recognize that the church is to be on mission, sharing the hope that we have in Christ, not arguing over these things. But this passage, talk to them and talk to them again in love and grace and then have nothing to do with them. It's actually more of a challenge to let go and to forgive. Now, forgiveness is a hard thing. It is. Some of you are easier to forgive than others. I'm not going to look in any certain direction. I'm just going to say. Now, some situations, in reality, are easy to forgive, aren't they? If someone said, oh, you said you're going to bring your keys for me this morning. And I went, oh, I can't find my keys anywhere. And they said, oh, that's okay. I think, oh, that's easy, right? No harm. Sometimes it's not that easy, is it? And sometimes all we want, all we want is that person to come and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry we can't agree on this, and I'm sorry that this is causing a, something between us, a divide. But sometimes that never happens. Sometimes we get so caught up in our, our anger, our disagreement, that whoever it is, whichever party, maybe both parties, you're never going to come and ask that forgiveness. Sometimes that opportunity never comes. And we tend to carry that. We carry that burden and we carry that anger and we carry that hurt. And then if somebody else does something else, it adds to it. And it just keeps building and building. They say... Anger is, is cumulative and, and it just can keep building up inside us. And it's also transferable in that we sometimes take it out on things that we never meant to. And it, it may be that, you know, this has happened to you and you've become upset about this and this terrible thing's happened. And then all of a sudden you put your coins in the Coke machine and nothing comes out. Or the can, you hear it falling down and it stops somewhere. And all of a sudden, you're, you're beating and you're kicking this machine. And everyone's thinking, what is wrong with this person? He's gone psycho. And you think, you're really not. A, if, if it was just the Coke that you didn't get, you probably wouldn't be that upset. But we just, oh, you know, no, no, you're not doing that to me. You are not keeping that can of Coke for me. And we want to beat and we want to take that out. Sometimes that, that, that anger, it eats away at us. And then we explode. What the Bible is saying here is try your best to do what is good in every situation. Try to be gracious and humble in every situation. Try to err on the side of peace in every situation. Try to work things out in every situation. When people do things that are wrong, go and let them know. Talk to them in grace. Now, not the old saying in church which says, look, I'm telling you this in love. And then they just let you have it. Yeah? That's when you go, I need to put the, hold on, just give me a second, let me put the gloves on. Yeah? Because the churches, they just do that. They say, oh, look, I'm telling you this because I love you, or I'm telling you this in love. And then they just tell you how awful you are, or how, how much you're failing. In the South, in America, they'll say, oh, bless his heart. 
bless your heart. You're just a loser. You know, bless your heart. Bless your heart. You're the worst preacher I've ever heard. You know, bless your heart. But this is just not how you do it. And it's negative and negative and negative and attack. It says, do what is good in every situation. Be gracious in every situation. Be humble in every situation. Be peaceable in every situation. Try to honor God in every situation. And try to work things out with each other. Try and then try again. And if it doesn't work out, if you can't work it out between each other, don't stay there. Don't stay in that situation. Don't let that anger and unforgiveness hold you there. You cannot stay in that situation. You cannot stay. You cannot let the situation stay with you. You have to move on. You have to forgive. You have to let go. You can't stay there. You can't stay in this situation. Because you're free. You were once enslaved in darkness. You were once held captive by sin and, and wanting things to work out your way. But now you've surrendered to God. You are free from all these things. And you are freed and saved for a purpose of sharing the hope that we have in God. We cannot work things out with all people at all times. I wish we could. Look, I've, I've been a pastor a long time. And I've known a lot of pastors who've been pastors a lot longer than me. When you talk to other pastors about people who get upset in their churches, or people who leave their churches, the pastors I talk to, although I've talked to some of the people and they go, oh, that pastor is arrogant and that pastor wants his own way and he's doing things and not listening to church. When I talk to the pastors, their heart is broken. They say, I'm trying, I'm trying to do what I think God wants us to do. And it breaks my heart that we can't all work it together. That we can't all be happy all the time. I don't know about you, I've never found a perfect church. There's that old saying that if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll just mess it up. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been like, I've never found the perfect church. So, I, you know, I can join any church, I guess. So I've never found a, a perfect one. I've never found a perfect pastor. I've never found a perfect husband or wife or family. We're sinful and broken people. And that's why there are passages like this in Titus. Since there's going to be hurt. There's going to be brokenness. Try, as a church, try as a people of God to remember that you're not held captive by that sin any longer. You've been freed and you've been saved for a purpose of loving that community together, loving one another, leading each other to Christ, our Savior. We sometimes get held back by not letting go or not forgiving. We sometimes bring others down because of our focus on the negative, our focus on the situation, our focus on whatever other than God. Darkness can be consuming. Darkness can be destructive. We have to focus on the light. We have to focus on God. Remember that He is to be our focus in every situation. Not just when the breakfast is made for us and everything's sunny and shiny and wonderful all the time. Unless you're a gloomy person, maybe you like it dark and dreary or whatever it is. But whatever is pleasing to you, God is not just God. We're not just to focus on Him when things are going our way. But we have to remember, and Satan uses things, even within the church, 
to distract us, to disappoint us, to discourage us, and to divide us. We have to go. Now, in every situation, no matter how many hailstones are, are, are pounding on me, I'm going to seek shelter in God. I'm going to focus on Him. I'm going to surrender to Him and say, God, make me, even in this difficult time, make me in this difficult situation, make me in this difficult relationship to be who You want me to be. God, I want You to be my focus. God, help me remember in this situation. Help me remember in this relationship. Help me remember in this circumstance that Satan is our enemy. The church are not our enemy. You guys are not uh, our enemies. The other churches are not our enemies. It's not the followers of Jesus that are our enemies. It's not the sinful people in the world who don't know Jesus that are our enemies. Satan and his demons try to deceive us. They try to capture us. They try to get us caught in that sin and destruction. But we are free. We are one in Christ. We need to focus on who God is. We need to remember who our enemy is. And we need to never forget where our mission field is. And that's out out in the church, in our relationships, even within the church and without, we are to be seeking to lead people to Christ. Are your words, are our words, leading people to Christ or pushing them away? Are your actions, are our actions, leading people to Christ or pushing them away? I wish every scripture was just about the love and the mercy and grace of God because they're easy to preach about that, isn't it? It's easy to go, yeah, isn't God great? Sometimes, and then it hits home. We've got a long way to go. Sometimes we go, we've got some work to do together. Yet God's called us as a family to do that, to work together, to love each other toward God, to lead each other toward God. Let's just pray. God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I thank you and praise you, Lord, for for never giving up on us. For you saved us by your mercy. You justified us by your grace. You have redeemed us. We are no longer held slave in slavery to the sins and the passions that would please us. We're no longer held in darkness. We have hope. When we only had despair. You've brought us from darkness to light, from death to eternal life. Lord, help us in our relationships with one another, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationship with others in the community. Lord, help us to seek to always keep you as our focus. Help us to do what is good in every situation, to make every effort to do what is good in every situation, to make every effort to be peaceable, to make every effort to be gracious, to make every effort to be humble, to be every effort to follow you. Lord, as your church, I want to say we're sorry for the times that we have gotten it so wrong, for the times when we act on our own ways without following you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the brokenness that happens in relationships within our church. I'm sorry, Lord, for times when it seems we just can't get anywhere or we can't work it out. Lord, heal us. 
Lord, forgive us. Lord, pick us up and teach us how to work together. Lord, help us to honor you. Lord, revive our hearts that we focus on you and your glory and your healing and your life that we have in you and your salvation. Lord, help us to live that out in relationship to one another. Help us to live that out in relationship with others in our church, in our community, and all around. Lord, send a revival to our church and let it begin in me. Heal us. Restore us. Help us to be the church you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.